Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's a hell of a feeling, man. I'm sorry. I'm not used to this, guys. Forgive me. I know you guys are used to, you know, Seattle, you know, always going to the playoffs. I'm not used to this. I'm used to sending my cars home by this time. And, you know, hey, I'm already packing up, learning where I'm going next. Where's the vacation? When am I seeing family? Sorry to cut you off, brother. I'm just excited, man. So God is good. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys already know what to do. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. That voice you guys heard to open the show, that was, of course, Seahawks strong safety Jamal Adams, who was as happy as someone on Saturday morning getting a shoe release. And I used that uh, that reference on Twitter, and someone pointed out to me that Jamal Adams doesn't have to try to win shoe releases, Chris, because he is sponsored by Jordan Brand. Uh, Jamal, if you're listening here, uh, we could also use some free Jordans uh, around here. So, Chris, you saw that? Bobby and Jamal gave, it, gave everybody some J's. <laughs> uh, size, uh, size 10 and a half. So that's ten and a half, Jamal. Just let you know. But no, like Chris, you see how happy Jamal was to be in the playoffs, man. And I know we're gonna get into some other stuff about you know the Seahawks win over the Washington Football Team, uh, twenty to fifteen, kind of a defensive game. We're gonna talk about it, but I think ah, it it may pain me a little bit. We gotta start with some Pete Carroll appreciation here, uh, and John Schneider as well. It doesn't really pain me, but you guys get what I'm saying. Like the fact that these guys clinched a playoff berth. For what is it? Nine times in eleven seasons under Pete, they only didn't make it in two thousand eleven and two thousand seventeen. Like that's really hard, man. Like ten wins. I don't know how many times they've had double digit seasons under Pete and Russ. Like it's really, really impressive. This league is designed for parity, right? And by that, like the teams with the worst records get the higher draft picks, and they usually have more cash and things like that. Like, and then you know you got all these salary cap you know structures in place to make sure you can't just load up on all the talented dudes right because you can't pay everybody like it's designed to make it even out over time and Pete Carroll's like nah we're just gonna keep winning and I know there's a there's a big piece of me who's like well okay you got Russ right like you should win double digit games when you have a healthy Russell Wilson right that yes that's also true but it's not just Russ. You got to fill in holes around him as well. And because Pete, Pete Carroll, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, Pete really doesn't have a boss. <laughs> he really doesn't. Right? Jody Allen's like his boss, but Jody probably be chilling. You know, she's not she's not like Jerry Jones or some of these other owners who are all in on the football workings of the thing. She's kind of just like, hey, Pete, you got this? He's like, yeah. All right, cool. Then go handle it. Right? So for him not to have a boss, that means he gets a lot of the credit for what happens. Right? That's personnel. Um, that's That's drafting. That's the uh, the actual coaching aspect of it. That's how you build a program with the messaging. That's how you practice. Like all of these things contribute to why Seattle has a winning culture. Like Jamal just talked about. It. It's like you guys. He was talking to the media. Like you guys are used to winning. I am not. I came from losing. They won what four games Jamal's rookie year, and then like five seven. one year, and then seven his last season there. Yeah. Um. So like he was. He's never had a winning record. I mean, Kevin LSU. So I mean, they was doing some winning over there, I'm sure. But like, it's a culture here that guys want to be a part of, 
And there's, I don't know if there's like a way to quantify that value, but I do think there's something to it. Like people come here and they, they don't want to be the one who messes up the excellence that's, that's going here. And Pete is a big part of that, right? Russell too. And obviously John Snyder, but like when guys like Jamal come here, um, I was even Quandre when he came here last year, um, Quandre had been on a team that did a bunch of losing, right? The Lions stink. Like just guys who come from other, I mean, Carlos Dunlap came from the Bengals. They suck. I know they made the playoffs before, but still, my point is that we had to take some time in this show to shout out, you know, the the culture here, the organization, the winning. It's it's hard to keep going to the playoffs, and I know that that's not just the goal is to get there, right? Like the goal is to win the championship. That's what DJ Reed even said after the game. Uh, we'll get to DJ Reed in a second, but you do gotta appreciate always having a shot to get there. You know, um, Pete is in charge of everything these guys do, like. The naming of the days of the week for the practice is just like the the fun they mix with the, you know, how hard the day-to-day grind, like everything. All those little things uh, come to life, you know, when you get those 10-win seasons, you make it to the postseason. Now, do they got to go finish the job and get to the Super Bowl? Of course, right? But, like, how many teams have made, have have had the success Seattle's had since Pete's been here? Probably, like, what, a couple? Yeah, not Saints, too many. maybe. Packers have been good this last Patriots. decade. Oh, obviously the Patriots. Yep. Yeah, they'd be cheating though. <laughs> Even the Chiefs now they're looking. At yeah, the Chiefs can... are going to have this same as long as Mahomes is healthy. They're going to win like ten, eleven games. But yeah, at there's, minimum all, every there's year. a handful of teams, five teams that have done what the Seahawks are doing, and you got to give Pete and what he's done his flowers now. I know a lot of people wait until it's too late. I know Seahawks fans are listening and saying, "Well, yeah, that's great, but we want to we want to win a Super Bowl." Right. That opportunity is now given itself an opportunity you have the opportunity yet again because they are in the mix as pete said in the post conference we're in the mix again we have a chance to do something special that's all you really want at the end of the day sure it's great to have the one seed but the fact that you're in the mix and you're in a spot where you can be competitive enough to win a home game and then go on the road against green bay or new orleans whatever the case may be you put yourself in that position and you have the pieces that can compete now and you could win that game that's the difference now. You have a Jamal Adams who is making a hell of a difference when it comes to that pass rush. As you said over the summer, you think he will do, and he's leading the team with nine and a half sacks. He's yeah, going to get it's 10. it's not even close. But that's what you bring in with Jamal Adams. You have Carlos Dunlap who saved the game yet again with his amazing ability to get after the quarterback. The Seahawks have definitely put themselves in position again to win the big game. Will they? It'd be nice. We will only We will see. We're getting closer and closer to that postseason game, to those postseason games where it matters. Each snap possession matters, and it's go time. Yeah, I think, and this doesn't mean like Pete's above criticism. I criticize Pete all the time. I'm about to on this show later. <laughs> I, yeah. I know I am. Uh, but I do think that we don't necessarily, at least I know I don't personally, voc- uh, uh, vocalize like how much credit he do actually deserve. And it's not only just him, but like, all the little things that we critique Pete for, not little, like the, the, the offense, obviously, how he was running that for years was really stupid. But even, the, like, the kicking that he does, like, today he had a soft decision, I thought, to, like, kick, he punted at, like, midfield or something soft like that. For every one of those, I think there's just, like, the work he does with DBs, right? Like, look what, like, he found a gem in, like, a DJ Reed, you know, or, like, you know, even finding a Puna Ford, right, undrafted gem. You know, there's been... Jordan Simmons, who's, like, a really good guard who, like, Pete was, like, insistent on getting, even though he played, I don't know, like, two games in college, I think, at USC. Like, there's there's, there's those little gems in there, and obviously some of that is John Snyder, too, a lot of it, but Pete, again, has, like, the final say over personnel, too. So all the things that you like about the Seahawks are definitely, you know, some of it is is due to Pete. And all the things you hate, too, are uh, are mixed in there as well. But I think we got to talk about both, for sure. And in this case, after they clinch another playoff berth, Looking good doing it for the most part. Like, you know, 10 wins with two games still to play. Like, that's a big deal. Huge deal, man. That's a big deal. And it's only continued. The Seahawks sign him for another few seasons because they love what he's able to do. You don't keep someone that's not winning for the program. Yeah, that's why Jody was like, yo, you need you need a bigger bag, Pete. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I get people get upset because of how the season rolls and sometimes you lose games that you shouldn't. But ultimately, the Seahawks put themselves in position to go after the big game. And that's really what you want to put yourself in. You be you can be upset when the Seahawks miss the postseason, when they don't make it. Yeah, that 2017 season was, like, really, really, really that's frustrating. That's where you can 
you have questions about what's going on with the offense, the defense, what's Pete doing. Shoot, special teams had a bad kicker that year. Like everything, everything, everything was bad. Everything's on the table. That's why everyone got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, the only fire we disagreed with was Bevel. We thought that that wasn't on Bevel. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, but that's that's neither here nor well, there. I didn't like them firing Chris Richard either. But true. Yeah, we we did. The big we didn't picture like that. is give Pete his flowers. He's done a phenomenal job, and you just heard Jamal Adams a few minutes ago, just excited to be in this position. And he knows that he's seen Seattle and what they've done. And now that he's a part of it, he couldn't be more happy for the opportunity. He's given it all on the field. He's played with broken fingers, which I just found out today. I mean, the dude's all about business right now. And the opportunity he has in front of him, I know for a fact he's going to relish the moment. And he's going to go out and compete, as Pete always says. I uh, love to compete here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, one last thing on Pete is that he, the discussion around whether he should be here or not last remember we had that talk after the season last year we had Ben Baldwin I think on the show to talk about the column he wrote the discussion really boiled down to what you valued as a fan right whether you valued the floor or the ceiling mm. people who wanted Pete gone are like well someone like Biennemi would raise the ceiling right that was like the general thought there like someone else could maximize what this team you know the maximize the team's potential right and then people like me um I, while, while agreeing with that sentiment, I do think that having a high floor, which the Seahawks have, which with Pete and Russell, it's essentially nine wins, right? You're going to have a winning record with Russell, right? You just, that's the floor here with Pete and Russ together, right? That, that, I think that floor is really important as well because you, we've seen when you, when it goes, like, you can be bad in this league real, real quick, right? So I think that the floor is really important. Pete gives them a nine win floor. Right, I think. Well, I guess he. How I many wins did they have those first two years? Seven, seven, eight. Uh, so I would say seven and a half, eight yeah, wins. Yeah, that, that was a little weird though, because like you just coming into the league, so whatever. But for the most part, let's, let's, let's meet at eight. Like you probably have like an eight win floor with, with Pete, with this version of Pete, right? Like now that he's had time to build something, and that's important, I think, because it can get bad in some of them other spots. Like look at the other dudes who've left the Seahawks and got head coaching jobs, like. Ain't really doing the same thing. Like, what was Dan Quinn's floor? Like, two wins? Probably. Not pretty. Gus Bradley got, got the boot. Um, we'll see if Shady gets a job and see what his floor as a head coach looks like. But, yeah, that I think the floor is really important uh, as well. Not to say that they shouldn't, you know, have gone to the Super Bowl again in recent years, but I'm just saying the floor with Pete is pretty high, and I think that's important too. Absolutely, man. You hit it right on the head. But let's get on to – Something exciting that we both agreed on and we texted during the game about just DJ Reed's play. The ability for him to get an opportunity and make the best out of it and look really good doing it. Yeah, no, I, that's a that that one is probably more of like a Schneider thing. I tweeted that out um as well. I was like the I even wrote about it a little tiny bit after the game I was like, this DJ Reed pickup is probably one of John's best moves. Like they have directors of like pro personnel and stuff who's supposed to scout all this stuff so there's probably some dude behind the scenes uh who really really deserves some credit but like yo that is a huge this you want to talk about value what is dj reed making this year i would like, i don't I'm, even know i'm gonna look it, I'm look it up i got it I, there we go i'm gonna trust the good old internet base salary 750 g's come on man for a dude who can return punts return kicks um play left cornerback right cornerback and the slot? Yes. And he gets his head turned around when the ball's in the air? Come on, man. That's what you want you in a corner. You was just able to just claim that dude up for nothing? That is that, man. That's a you want for In terms of value, that's probably one of the better. I, I think value-wise, the Carlos move is still the best. Um, and in, in the last few years, I would argue that the Quandre Diggs trade, from a value perspective, is probably the best move uh, that they made just because like you get a really really good player in Quandre for what well, they give like a fifth round pick the Jamal trade is obviously good but you give up a lot like you're getting a, out of Jamal what you should get from someone you give up two first round picks for Carlos is good value as well where they give up like a player and a sixth or something like that uh, so the DJ Reed though is right up there that is such good value man and he can ball he can ball he got some dog in him too like he he, he said it after the game today it was like, yo, man, I'm chirping at Terry. Like, I want that. Like, it's the game's on the line. Throw it at me. Like, I'm with that. I loved, I love DBs with that mindset. There's no one more confident in the world than an NFL defensive back. Like, yo, the, the ball could sell 20 yards over their head, and they waving like incomplete. Like, bro, you didn't do nothing. 
<laughs> he did absolutely nothing. But that's how confident they are. But yeah, DJ's been able to just play every spot, hop in no matter what, and he's five nine. He's five nine playing the spot that Pete really loves to have tall dudes at. And it actually really was really funny. It was really funny to uh, have uh, Pete after the game talk about like, yeah, I know corners can come in all sizes. You know, like we used to have small guys, we used to have big guys. I was like, no, Pete, if that's the case, why do you only draft dudes with 33 and a half inch arms? Like you, you yourself have put parameters on what a cornerback can look like in your, in your program. Yet you're just like, all right, anybody can play it. No, nah, that's stupid. But the DJ Reed pickup, man, what's he got? Two picks this year at two different spots. Uh, the the pick today he had was just like that's you want to talk about good eyes broke off of Terry to baseball jump baseball turn it was yeah to jump under beautiful. the jump under the it was a crossing route yeah Dwayne was trying to throw like I was really, I was really critical of the broadcast because I don't I don't think broadcasts do a good job unless it's the national one for the most part of like showing you how things work but they did an actual eye in the sky view of that and had the drawing and oh man no DJ Reed he can ball do you think he should stay starting if they get the other guys back healthy? I don't think he just stays starting. Oh, man. Just took the position. wind out the sails, man. No, but I think the competition between him and Ugo heated up because what he's able to do is better than what Ugo's doing on the field. For example, today, there was a player that Ugo was covering. I want to say a tight end. Mm -hmm. I think it was Logan Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. Who went off. Jesus. Well, we kind of knew that was going to happen. The Seahawks just have a problem with covering tight ends. Anyway, Ugo didn't turn his head around. Had he turned around, could have battered the ball. Because the ball wasn't placed perfectly. Right. It just happened to be that if Ugo turns his head, he's able to swap the ball down, make an interception, fight for the ball, whatever the case may be. Immediately in my head, DJ Reed would have turned his head, looked for the ball. DJ Reed would have made a play on it. And we saw that, I think, earlier in the game, literally. Oh, yeah, he's, he's guarding J.D. He, on the, on the, me on the go ball. After, on the go ball, J, well, the play broke down. J.D. was able to squeak upfield and... DJ ran with him. He saw the receiver's hands going out. He turns his head, swipes out the ball. I don't know. I don't Incomplete. Know. I, don't I don't think don't he know. got a hand on it. I don't think he got a hand on it, but the fact that his hand was there, the concentration for JD wasn't there. He wasn't able to see the ball, whatever the case may have been, and that's a play in my head. I'm thinking, ooh, yeah, Ugo's not making that play. Ugo's going to keep sprinting with the guy, throw his hands up, and it's either going to be a completion, pass interference, or he's lucky enough that the ball's underthrown and hits him in the back of the head. Whereas DJ, he has a feel for the game. He understands, oh, if the guy puts his hands out or his eyes getting big, whatever the case may be, he knows to turn his head. And that's just good mechanics. And I ultimately think he might not be the starting corner, but he'll definitely find a role at a nickelback. And I think that'll be huge in the postseason when you need a Quentin Dunbar who's healthy. You have Shaquille Griffin who's healthy. And at the nickel position, you have someone in DJ Reed who you've seen play successful on the outside. And that right there is a recipe for a team to make a – Big push in the postseason. I love what DJ Reed has done and is doing this season with the Seahawks. Yeah, no, he's he's ball, and I think Ugo's playing fine too. For what it's worth, yeah, like, it's, I, I think it's, Ugo's it's, fine. I'm literally as well. nitpicking here. If you want to be specific, I'm literally just finding small things that I think DJ Reed does better, and in those certain situations, I want the better player out there. Overall rating, if I were to put it out there, I'd have DJ Reed at an 80, Ugo at a 78. We're talking about two points. Yeah, here. yeah. It's not. That crazy, but I just love what DJ brings. Excitement, energy, and he's about that action, boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and he gets his hands on the ball. And I thought he had that three was... pass breakups today and a pick. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> a, he's he's. I think he's he's got two picks, which is like tied for like third on the team or something like that. Um, he's got six uh, passes defense, I believe, in eight games, which is really good. I think Ugo has six as well in twelve games, so it's a little it's a little different. But like that. He said today, I think someone might might have been Joe. Shout out to Joe. Um, if that was, nah, I can't remember who asked him. But so anyway, someone <laughs> asked him, "Do you think you played well enough to keep your job?" Which is one hell of a question. Sure is great question. Uh, it just shows you kind of how weird this like business is every once in a while. But and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, Pete says this program's all about the ball. I get the ball." You know what, man? Can't argue with that. You're, you're right. <laughs> you cannot argue uh, with that one. So we'll see. That's like a great problem to have that they that uh Pete touched got, on that too. You got a bunch of dudes who can who can hold their own on that right side uh, today. What do you think about it? Do you think that they should keep him out there when Quentin is healthy enough to return? Uh, no. I, I would I would I would play Quentin. I think I still think like a healthy Quentin, a healthy Quentin gets his hands on the ball too. 
Like he's just not healthy. <laughs> like there, there was some there were some picks that were like falling right in Quentin's hands earlier in the year because I mean man. obviously you got to catch those, but like he's in a position to make those plays, you know as well. Who knows if he's gonna be healthy or whatever? So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I I do think maybe they have just an open competition. You know what they should do? Here's what they should do. You uh, the starter practice, you you get like a give me a Seahawks receiver. Give DK. Me All right. You give me you give DK. Give me Russ. You line you line up one on one. Yeah, one on ones. You line up DK against you give Quentin the first shot and he goes. Maybe you limit it so he can't like run a crossing pattern or something like we'll that. We'll say you, the hash to the sideline. Yeah, yeah. Hash yeah, hash the sideline. Let's do that. And then you all right, boom. See what you got there. All right, you let Trey go next. Then you let <laughs> and you let DJ go next. And you maybe you go like three rounds each. Yep. Whoever plays best, that's who becomes the the starter in that day's practice. Okay. And then you rotate there. Like, just real deal competition type stuff. I think stuff. that's fair. For, for what it's worth, guys, they do do stuff like that. I don't know if they do it during the season, but they do that in camp. I love it. They, <laughs> especially when they, like, sign new guys. Um, and new guys don't get a chance to, like, get a ton of reps during the day. What they'll do is, like, at the end of practice, like, it'll be, like, random practice squad dude versus other random practice squad dude right in front of everybody. Like, it's super and one mixtape feel. It's actually really fun. Yeah, that's how they should do it because, yeah, you're right. We got to split hairs to find out who's really the better right cornerback or just DBs in general. But I'm with you, though. I think ultimately you go Quentin on the right, slide DJ in there, and then let it go from let there. It, exactly. Let it go from there. That'd be fun, man. Play- I just he's just so exciting to watch. I even tweeted it today, man. What he brings to this defense is I don't want to say Legion of Boom S, but there's just that energy, man. He's fired up after every play and he's actually making plays. It's not the ball sells twenty yards over someone's head and he's pumped about it because he thought he did something. He actually made a play and changed the outcome. Yeah. No, and he's you a, should be paying. He's a trash talker it. too. I love trash talking. And he talking. likes hitting. Yes, I think I, Pete mentioned I, that today. He's like, yeah, he tackles well. It's like you got to live corners who can I'm tackle. I'm thinking, dude, you're five nine and you might not weigh 190 pounds, and you're flying around as if you're Jamal Adams. I'm not mad at you, but be safe out there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play with play with no fear. I think Pete said, yeah, we're kind of regurgitating Pete here on accident. But yeah, Pete was like, yeah, dude, five nine, one eighty three, and he holds his own. It's like, yeah, <laughs> nah, that's just when he said that. I'm like, yeah, Pete, like there's other you can play corners who are good without them being six four, six yeah, three, big the and case may you know be. looking like shooting guards, like. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, shout shout to DJ Reed. That was that was that was one of those like I deserve to be here type of games. We gotta get him on the pod in the off season. Uh, yeah. Now that I know more, a little bit more about like personality today, like I was like, okay, that's somewhat I know. I feel like I know a little bit more about because you never really know, especially with the zooms. Yeah, like, I feel like we learned a lot about like DJ today. It's pretty straightforward too. It's like, yeah, do you think you should play? It's like, yeah, man, I get my hands on the ball. Ain't this program about the ball? Mm. It's like, yeah, simple. He's also like, yeah, this we came here to win a Super Bowl. If we don't. Failure. I'm not mad at him. Yeah, he's no. confident and he's about it. He yeah. really wants an opportunity and he's found himself in a perfect position with a team that believes in him. Uh, yeah, no, the Niners really whiffed on that too. Uh, someone at the uh, with the Niners, especially considering all the injuries they've had, someone over there should get fired. Whoever was like, hey, yeah, nah, John Lynch, uh-uh, DJ's done. Whoever whoever revealed that news to John should be out of there. <laughs> John yeah. Lynch should be like, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> like, You told me he was... Get out. <laughs> it should be a, one I know of those. we're jumping ahead two weeks, but I'm even more excited for that game because I know you like bringing up revenge games. Oh, week 17 against the Niners. Oh, oh yeah. No. Well, he already had the revenge game and got a pick against. This is part two, though. Yeah, it's even no. better. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, that's true. We got to sh- shout out to DJ Reed. Let's, let's move to the other side of the ball real quick. And this is where I will criticize Pete a little bit because I, I do think, like, he plays results a lot, too, and I – and I can understand that in the ad- in the aftermath of a win, right? Especially, you know, you spent all week getting to this moment. And when you do win, you're like, oh, thank God. Yes, what we did worked, and I'm happy about it. I do understand that. I can understand how after some of these games, when we are critical after a win, Pete's like, guys, we just won. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I think there was one uh, Zoom where Jamal was like, yo, we're – eight and four or whatever like let's focus on that and it was i think it was a game after they won too it was like why are we not focused on that right now we're focused on something else and it was just like not nah, like we're analyzing the whole product right because we're looking at the process not just the result right like that's you have to do that so we have to do that here as well chris what the hell were they doing offense in the second half <laughs> they decided to lay off the gas and the defense the washington football team's defense stepped up to the plate you want to let off the gas? We are ready for it. Getting hands on balls, 
making plays, making Russ a little uncomfortable, shutting down the run game. It just became outside a, of that fifty yarder. Outside of that, it just became a game where you felt, oh man, the Seahawks can really blow this. And that's not something you would want, but in that situation, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were thinking, Whoa, what is going on here? This is you're up twenty to three. Put them out of their misery. You're thinking something with the Jets where you can win twenty seven to three. Yeah, I thought they were gonna smoke them. That's what I'm thinking, oh, this is gonna be a blowout. And then second half rolls around and the offense is not rolling. Guys are dropping passes, Carlos Hyde. It's the little things that count. That's not even a little thing. You gotta catch the ball. It's little <laughs> because they had a twenty to three lead in that situation. Yeah. That's you, have true. To, you have to catch the ball because that moves the chains and it keeps the offense on the field to drain that clock. The clock becomes your best friend when you're up twenty to three. You can run the ball, you can chew it down, you have control of the game. But when your offense is literally in the second half out there for six minutes and thirty seven seconds in the second half. Oh, that was it? That was time possession in the second it. half. That's tough. And the defense managed. They were able to tie the shoestrings. All right, we're going we're going we have to get it done. We have to do it. Because the offense just lost the gas. Whatever happened, it wasn't flowing anymore. They lost rhythm. They got out of sorts. Ty Lockett wasn't his usual self. DK wasn't his usual self. That can't happen. It's got to be more consistent. I know the Washington football team defense is solid, but Seahawks have too many weapons on offense for that to happen. To no, their, de- their defense. Their defense is good. Not for real. Um, yeah, I don't. I gotta watch. I'm. I'm rewatching some of it as we speak. I don't know if they let off the gas as much. Like they just weren't. It just looked out of sync. And Dude. I mentioned that they were. They're out of touch, out of sync. And I think they just got a little. I don't. I don't want to say lazy, but they just got complacent. You're up thirteen to three at the time. Before history is written. It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You score a touchdown, 20-3. to and now you're like, we got it. Yeah, it should have been a beat down. And you got to keep going. Like you did with the Jets. <laughs> there wasn't a, we got it. Well, these guys are better than the Jets. Absolutely. But you have to have that same mindset, right? You realize, yeah, we're up 23. Let's keep going. Yeah. And I, don't, I, I want I, Russ to sit in the third quarter again. That's what you should be looking forward to. Yeah. And I don't know if mentally that I'd have to. It's t- this is one of those where if I was in the locker room, it'd be a lot easier to. Cause I don't know if they mentally were like, oh, we're chilling now. Um, I don't know if that was the case as much as just like, it just it just looked yucky from an execution standpoint. Like yeah, the drops. Um, I think what Will does he had like a false start on first down. Yeah, that hurt. That that knocked him back a little bit. Um, I couldn't see the. I really hate when I can't see the whole field, man. It really bothers me. You're used to it. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. I'm so accustomed to like when I'm really analyzing. Like I have a different vantage point than everyone else. Um, that you know gives me some type of you know advantage when analyzing now i just had the same broadcast clips as everyone else difference is i get to talk to the players but shoot they stream the zooms anyway so yep. everyone has the same info but still i digress you know i it's a couple things i do think that adjustments can be tricky with this team like they're they're hot and cold like i do think defensively they've uh, adjusted pretty well in a lot of these games i think like i thought the rams game was a pretty really really good example uh, of adjusting uh, they've adjusted well in the second half of some other games as well the vikings game was another good example were they 13 nothing yeah in uh, that game ended up scoring 27 points in the second half like that that's pretty solid uh but yeah i do think some of the sometimes they've come out in the second half of these games or even in the fourth quarter and I've been like, man, why ain't y'all killing it like y'all just was, you know? And it's not as simple as like just do what you were doing earlier. You know, the other team got coaches they can yeah, pay they too. Wanna, exactly. Like it's not always that simple. But after the game, Pete said something else that I thought was troubling. Pete was like, you know, I, you guys can be concerned about the offense. I'm not concerned. You know, we did what we had to do 
you know, to get the win. And there is something to that, right? I even wrote about it like the day of the game. I understand some of where Pete's coming from. Pete, going forward, he's like, yo, we're going to play better on third down, right? That's what he expects, right? And I can feel that a little bit, right? One of those third downs today that they didn't get in the fourth quarter was like third and 15. Right? Yeah. Very hard to get third and 15. I understand. One and of they those do a quick screen of DK. And uh, I like that actually. Yeah, one of one of those uh was a drop by Carlos, right? Yeah, like, it's huge. Play call is fine. Ball has a dude in the face, right? Obviously something that Peace Nugget is gonna expect uh to happen. Um let's see. We have the the other one. What was it? There's another third down in there that I can oh, it was like third and four and Russ hit the check down too late and then he ends up getting three yards to Carlos instead of four that they needed. Right, like those things and then I think Russ threw a pick, but that wasn't on third down. So like in Pete's mind, it's like, ah, oh, we'll play better on third down. I ain't tripping, right? He pretty much said that. He also was like, look, our plan was to make Russ do a little bit less because they got good pass rushers and we didn't want him to die. Also can understand that. Russ was not sacked. Russ was only hit three times. Good plan. Like I can, He wanted to run the ball really well. But Carlos and Chris went for, what, a buck, buck 18, uh, I think, on like 15 carries or something like that, like, pretty solid day. I understand like some of where Pete's like, you guys can worry about that other stuff. We had a game plan. We executed it. Cool. That's fine in a vacuum. I think when you put that in the context of some of these other games they've had offensively though, then you you do get concerned, right? Because let's, let's start from the Arizona game. Second one. They scored what, 28? Yep. Okay. Point totals after that are 23 against Philly, 10 on offense against the Giants, a 40 ball against the Jets, who may or may not be an NFL team. Not quite sure. They did win today, though, so I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, do, the too much shade. do the Jets like that. However, it is still the Jets. So you got a 40 ball against the Jets, and then you got uh, you got the game today, right, which was 20 points. I'm not really thrilled about them type of point totals if I'm, like, looking at the Seahawks offense. Like, it's not, like, panic mode necessarily, but it is one of those things where I'm like, uh... Why aren't you scoring more points? It's something right? to think about. Yeah, and it's something. It, concern is the word I would use. Like, like I said, it's not panic, but for Pete to be so dismissive, like, ah, you guys can be concerned. We'll be better moving forward. It's like, uh, you're counting on third down success, and you really haven't had a successful team on third down all year. Like, that's the other thing. Like, if they were like a top five third down team and stunk up the joint on third down today, and Pete was like, ah, it's an outlier. I'm not worried. To put things, I'd in feel pers- him on that. To put things in perspective, we always talk about how the Rams have the Seahawks number for whatever reason, right? Uh, yes. McVay, at least, excuse me. In this situation where the Seahawks are struggling in the fourth quarter, how do you think that goes against the Rams team? Where, if that's the case, and Sean McVay knows what he's doing and is able to convert and get the ball moving, he has all these different plays for his guys, whether it be Robert Woods on a end around Cooper Cup on a screen play. How do you think that results if it's 20-15 to 15 in the fourth quarter and the Seahawks are up and Sean McVay has the offense rolling? I mean, these are things that, sure, Pete, you might not be worried about it, but if you're playing a better offensive team that has weapons, it could be a situation where this game ends on a game-winning touchdown. The defense gives it up. You would hope that the defense steps up again, but how often do you want to rely on your defense to keep making plays when the offense has dropped out? They gave up. They had one touchdown in the third quarter. Huge run by Carlos Hyde, and after that, the offense did nothing. Yeah. That that's a little concerning. And I get where Pete's coming from. Sure, you you executed your game plan for damn near four quarters, right? But really, you didn't. You always say you went in the fourth quarter. It almost didn't happen today. It it was very close. Carlos Dunlap, two big plays. That's all close it was. If Carlos Dunlap doesn't make those plays, we might not be having this discussion. We might be having a different one saying. Woo. So not only did the Celtics not get a playoff opportunity, they missed it on this game, and now the Rams also lost, so they have another opportunity, but you just lost to the Washington football team. I get that they won four straight, but this is a team you had a lead on, 20-3, to you were rolling, and the offense sunk, and the defense was left gassed, and now the opportunity for them to step up, it didn't, didn't go that way. Those are things you got to think about, and I'm not letting Pete off the hook, but I do understand that, they, he thought he executed the game plan as close as he could. He did mention we knew it was going to be a dogfight. He knew it was going to be a close game. He, okay. think, he thinks every game's a dogfight. You know what, Mike? He That's probably thought of, that Jazz game was a dogfight. You're probably right. That's one of his favorite cliches. That's every coach. It's like, <laughs> uh, you know you're in for a fight. Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, you're probably in for a fight every week. The sport is about hitting each other in the face. 
my biggest point is against better offensive teams, you got to put up points yourself on the offensive. Yeah, team. just against better teams in general, like whether they have a better offense, better defense, or whatever. Like, yeah, and in playoffs, you got to you got score more than twenty. It's gonna be tough to beat a Green Bay team. You got twenty points. Yeah, it's gonna yes. be tough to beat the Rams with just twenty points. It's gonna be tough to beat the Saints with just twenty points. I believe they can do it, but my God, the defense is gonna be playing lights out. Here, they're gonna have to. And they can. They're they, playing. They're playing really well, as we just as we just mentioned. They've had a couple walk offs uh, on defense this year, I think like if not three or four. Uh, walked off against Arizona for sure. Against uh, the 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 Falcons. Uh, no, no, not, not against not against the Falcons. Uh, they 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 beat the Falcons by thirteen. I'm talking like a a legit like game winner. Like Dallas picked off Dak. You're right. Uh, Dallas, um, New England. Uh, let's see. I'm missing one in there. I'm missing one. Arizona. They lost the first one. Dang. That's, this at least. I would say three or four. Yeah, so they've had a few games here where the defense has been on the field and they've had to win it and have got it done. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give them that. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I think my my main thing on Pete, and we, this is my last thing before we get to the the questions is when I look at the offense, it's hard for me to dissect what is exactly wrong. I know that's some of the questions that we'll have in here. I'll do my best, but I do think that when I hear Pete say I'm not concerned, it's like, well, man, that's my critique when it comes to the coach is that. You got to learn the right lessons from some of these games. Or like when he goes for it or doesn't, or when he decides to like run or not, or throw or not, or kick or not. Like I want his process to be right, so it can be you know it can inform decisions going forward. Not necessarily just like play the result. Plays the result a lot. It's like oh we won, so it worked. It's like well, well okay, sure, but I'm sure your plan had you score more than twenty. <laughs> yeah, Damn, that's what I should have said that there in the Zoom. So I'm like yeah, we executed the game plan. Oh, you had twenty points in the game plan. Oh, well that's stupid. <laughs> Not a good way. <laughs> yeah, I know he things. did. I know he didn't mean that, but yeah, I think they should definitely be scoring more points. Like they're like the third highest scoring offense in the league, uh, something like that. Uh, pretty pretty sure they're like thirty points a game. Something if not something very close to it. And this was this didn't look like that. I always thought they, especially on a day when Russ doesn't get sacked. If yeah. Russ don't get sacked, you should definitely be putting up points. Like you ran the ball well. Russ didn't get sacked. Uh, what's that? They're, t- they're second. Kansas City and the Packers are tied for first at 31. Oh. Seahawks are right behind them. Yeah, there you go. 30.2. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you're, you're putting up 30 a night. Like, yo, you should be a little, little better than this. So, I think, yeah, we're nitpicking a little bit. But I think, it's, I think it's worth it when you put it in the context of all their other performances, right? Like, if your best performance in the la- offensively in the last, what, month or so was against the Jets, well, then, hey, we got to talk. Right? Yeah. Because, I know the Jets beat the Rams, but still, they, they still did. They stood the Jets. Come on now, they beat them by thirty-seven points. That's that's saying something. So yeah, that that is where I'm like, ah, okay, you guys beefing about the offense. I feel you. I'm right there with everyone. Like I said, no panic, but it is one of those where I'm like, yo, y'all better get it together before Aaron Donald kills y'all. Yeah. Cause you see Aaron Donald after they lost it, uh, to the that boy looked like he might have punched the wall in there. Like he is gonna be angry all week, and he's a nice dude, but like when he get angry, like he they look like damn. Remember he pulled a uh, Justin Brett helmet. After that, ooh, he gonna do something like that again. That boy is scary. They just lost to the Jets. Oh man, come on, man, gotta get it together. Let's just hope he doesn't have a breakout game against the Seahawks. Oh, Aaron, oh, he, Aaron can't. Aaron Donald can't have no breakout games. He's he's won a million defensive player of the year. But yeah, let's just hope he doesn't have like a angry Aaron Donald game because that's gonna that's gonna be ugly. But yeah, they need. They're gonna need how many points do you think they'll need to beat the Rams? At least twenty six. That should be what this team scores pretty much against. Any defense, especially when Russ doesn't get sacked. The Rams, real quick, they're averaging 25 a game. There you go. Yes. Yeah, you got to score at least 26. You got to beat their average. Yeah. No, they, I would say. They definitely, yeah, got to put up put up more points. But let's get to these Twitter questions. We have quite a few tonight. You ready to roll on these, Mike? Let's do it. All right, man. The first one. Could you go over the tiebreaker situation with the Saints for the number two seed and even the Packers at the one seed? Oh, boy. Everybody wants to be doing math right off the bat. Uh, so with the one seed, if I have this correct, if the Packers, Saints, and Seahawks all finish 12-4, and four, the Seahawks win the tiebreaker if one of those losses is to an NFC team. But I think the Saints, what, if the Saints lose again, they can't even finish 12-4. and four. So that's that's out of the equation. So that would be, in that scenario, the Saints win the tiebreaker, I'm pretty sure. Right, because the Packers have a one game left against an NFC opponent, so the Packers would have to lose that. And I think 
the Seahawks have the tiebreaker over the Packers because the Packers lost to the Vikings. And the Seahawks beat the Vikings. Boom. Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. I don't think there can be a 12-4 and tiebreaker in which they win a three-way tiebreaker anymore because in that scenario, the Saints would have a better conference record than the Seahawks. So I know like New Orleans losing today like felt good for Seahawks fans, but I don't think it, it did a ton there. Really... What they need, they need the Saints to just lose again. Yeah. <laughs> just knocked them out of it all, all together. And the Seahawks need to obviously win out. And I think if they win out in the tie with the Packers, they should have that tiebreaker, I'm pretty sure. As long as, like I said, one of those losses is uh, to an NFC team. And I think they close with the Bears, maybe? The Packers do? I think that's their Week 17 game. So we'll see if Mitch Trubisky can pull one out uh, for the Seahawks. So what was the other tiebreaker they said for the two? Well, yeah, they need Saints to lose. And the Packers at the one. Yeah. And that's probably not going to happen, as you just pretty much disclose, unless they lose out pretty much in that situation, which yeah. is possible, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, so don't want to tie. You want to tie with the Packers for sure, um, and just really, need, really just need the Saints to just lose again. I'm super early on Twitter questions, but there are, are there any prospective free agents the Hawks could target? For kick return or punt return, missing Leon Washington days. Shout out from Italy. Appreciate you guys and never miss a pod. Keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Nick. Italy, yo. Nah, man. Let DJ Reed do all that stuff, man. DJ Reed, I don't think you should really invest in the kick return, punt return. Not to say that it's like irrelevant, but you definitely should just find a dude on your team that can do it. Like find someone who's already good at that and let it rock. I think DJ Reed's been solid though. Punt return and kick return. Uh, to be honest, and shoot, he's under contract, so keep having him do it. I also still have Tyler on the team, too. Like, just put Tyler back there. That's fine, too. You have options, other, yeah. in other words. Demo. I like their I like their return to as right now. I noticed Washington made adjustments after halftime. My main question is, are the Seahawks good at adjusting at halftime? I've noticed, and a lot have been saying, they let teams that are not very good back into games when they shouldn't be. Is it on coaching? Uh, No, I, I wouldn't say the Seahawks are bad at uh, adjusting. I think some of it... Like, some of it is just the execution. And, again, that's a really hard thing for me to, like, really, really, really look at when there's a – without the all 22. Like, today, I don't think it was, like, a really poor adjustment. I really think it was more of an execution thing. Like, I don't think it was even mental. Or, like, like for example, one of them third downs that they missed, like, Russ has Hollister open and throws it to the flat to Carlos, and he doesn't pick it up, right? One of those is, um, like we mentioned, Carlos dropped the ball, right? Like, there's no adjusting for a guy open dropping a pass, right? Like, I don't think it is, there's much of an adjustment uh, to be done there. And they've adjusted in some games, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, so I don't think that was this one. Like, for example, I think whoever asked this, I don't know if they have a name attached to their profile. Um, it says... Scott Nelson. Yeah, it says, I noticed Washington made adjustments. Okay, what were those adjustments, though? Like, if you could... I know this isn't live, but, like, I don't think there was some main new thing that Washington did and, and Russ was like, oh, damn. Like, even, even the... Uh, in the Giants game, like, that wasn't like they couldn't figure out how to adjust. That was l- quite literally Russell and Shadi being, like, beating a dead horse type of thing. Um, that is not necessarily, like, a schematic thing. They're getting outcoached in that regard. Like, so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say they're bad at it. I wouldn't think so. I think sometimes the execution is not there, but some of that I really think is on the cue uh, more than it is the coaching. Like, Russ is also just not having a great stretch here in the non-Jets games. Um, I don't think that's just like a coaching thing. I think it's how he's seeing the field. Why do the Seahawks bother rolling out Mikey Opati every week when he can't usually make it at make it to halftime and doesn't appear to be on upgrade over Simmons or Jones, Haynes or even Haynes when healthy? And that by not starting one of them, it seems to be hurting the development and continuity. What do you think? Uh, well, I disagree with the premise of the question that Mike's not an upgrade over the guys below him on the depth chart when healthy. I I that I think that kind of answers that though. I think I think Mike Ayupati when healthy is better than Phil, who's also always hurt. Um, who else they got? Jordan Simmons. Um, I I think that he's a, a better player when healthy. So if he's better, you play him, right? It's pretty simple. Um, if they wanted to switch to Jordan, I mean I don't really, I'm not really tripping. Like I'm not here to just like police the left guard position. I don't really care that much, but. Um, to answer the question, yeah, I disagree with the premise there. I think Mike Ayupati healthy is, is better than those other guys, and that is why he plays. Like, why he can't stay healthy? I don't freaking know. But I do think healthy, he's better. With Gordon, Dunbar, and Olsen all potentially coming back next week, 
And after losing to the Jets, can the Seahawks beat the Rams? Um, yeah, they can beat the Rams. Sure. Will they? Eh, I don't, don't know about that. I think this is important to, and we're going to have a preview episode about this as well, but it's important to remember what the Rams do against other teams does not tell you how they will perform against the Seahawks. It is completely different when they play these dudes. Like, can they beat them? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think they can. They've beaten the Rams before with uh, Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Beat them in, they beat them last year. Uh, actually, now, they needed a missed field goal uh, to beat them, but, like, I yeah, they, they definitely can beat them for sure. I don't know if it's necessarily because those dudes are coming back. Like, I think the team that they tried out there today is, like, capable from a talent perspective. It really is just, like, executing against a dude who clearly has Pete Carroll's number. Do you think Josh Gordon takes over Moore's third receiver spot going into the postseason? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think D- David's knowledge of the offense is like an underrated element of this. I think people uh, don't talk about enough when factoring in Josh Gordon. Like David's been here for four years. Um, he's obviously only been with Shoddy for three of those. Um, but like just having being able to line up in a bunch of different spots that doesn't like telegraph where the ball is going is very helpful, especially in this time of year. Um, you know, being able to play different spots like Demo can line up all over the field and like catch it from wherever. Um, Demo also is just a good player too. He's a solid uh, number three, so I don't think Josh is gonna come in right away and just take all that. I don't think so. I think Josh is gonna come in and get some snaps, and yeah, maybe some of those will take away from you know like Freddie Swain or, or Demo. But I don't think he's gonna come in and immediately be like the third most targeted receiver on the team. Like Demo has earned that right. Like. As as talented as Josh is, David Moore is, is having a damn good year, you know, relative to like expectations for like a seventh round pick who's the third dude on a, you know, behind guys like Tyler and DK who get way more targets. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why does it seem like all broadcast announcers give such bad insights during the game? Man, that's a great question. I could do a whole show on this. I really could. So I'll try to keep it short, though. My, my general assessment of why analysis tends to be very poor is that, A, the job is hard, right? So I do think that that attributes to it. But B, the main thing is that the people analyzing the game are not in tune very well with, like, the changes to the game and how fast it's, like, updating with all of the, like, advanced ways to put context around some of the stats that they live by right like you see it a little bit with the sunday night football broadcast because they've i'm pretty sure they've partnered with pro football focus so they're big on grades right um so they kind of get the analytics a little bit more but like you still see or hear broadcasters saying stupid stuff like you know to beat the chiefs you gotta like control the clock it's like no you don't you have to control the scoreboard you can have the ball for how many minutes 60 in a game you can have the ball for 58 minutes Right, but if you only scored three and Mahomes scored seven in that two minutes he had the ball, you controlling the game, you're controlling the clock did nothing. Right, like Nate Taylor has a good like uh, piece on this on the Athletic, by the way. That's why I use that example if you want to try to fact check what I'm saying. Um, you see here broadcasters saying stupid stuff like, uh, you know, when Derrick Henry gets 25 carries, the Titans are undefeated. Well, that's stupid, right? Why don't they just hand the ball to Derrick Henry 25 times to start the game? Right? No, that's dumb. I think that you got a lot of like antiquated ways of viewing football that just get spewed. You get all these coaching cliches and all this stuff like, oh, we got to establish the run. Like, oh, the run sets up the play action. Like, all these things that we can clearly just be like, no, man, that's not the case. Um, I think that's bad. I think the the uh, excuse me the analysis of quarterbacks is pretty bad uh, as well because they don't use all that stuff. Like, they live and die by things like passer rating or whatever. Like, there's more context to some of these stats they live by. Like, touchdown to interception ratio is probably not the best way to analyze a quarterback, right? But what do they, when they're like, oh, look at the quarterback comparison in the first half, or like, that's what they'll use, right? The graphics are pretty bad. I think, like, they're not in tune to the updates to provide context. There's a bunch of stuff. They're using a bunch of bad numbers to (laughs) assess the game on top of, like, the mistakes they'd be making that are, like, pretty obvious. I know it's, like, fun to pick on uh what's my man's name who did the monday night last year people just was killing him last year 
Um, Booger. Oh, man. Booger was getting destroyed. <laughs> he really was. Like, he was in the little wagon that was rolling up and down the sideline, obstructing people's views. Uh, didn't he tell the team to, like, kneel it on fourth down or something like that? It was third that? down. He's like, now you want to spike it. Yeah, yeah. He went to the Bills, like, spike it in a playoff game on third down or something like that. As much fun as it was to poke it like Booger and whoever his partner was last year, I forgot. Um, the job is hard, and it, they're not the only ones doing stuff like that, right? There's a reason why when Romo came in there, he was, like, on fire, right? And everyone loved it. It's like, because we're so used to bad analysis, too. Um, so that's really why. I really wish I could travel to some more of these games. I'm going to try to go to the Week 17 one because I don't think the analysis is very good, man. I'm going to um, shout out to all my homies in this group chat that I'm in. Uh, most of them went to Wazoo with me. They just love to, like... Just joke on like Chris Collinsworth for always giving like some obvious analysis. Like, man, this guy, this guy, Aaron Rodgers really has a strong arm. And it's like, thanks, Chris. Like, we knew that. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, I think Chris is the best uh, analyst on TV. But th- the point being, yeah, to answer your question, it's really just a lack of knowledge. I think it really is. They're using old ways to analyze the game, bad numbers, bad math. They treat analytics like rocket science. You ever notice that, Chris, when it's time to go for two? Like, the analytics would say, it's like, no, man, it's like, if you believe it, then say it, right? And if you if you can't count, just <laughs> just say that. I, no, I, I really feel like they just treat analytics like it's some weird, spooky evil. Like, no, man, like, the math is very clear on this. Go for two. The math is very clear on this. Kick. The math is very clear on this. Uh, go for it or whatever. Like, it's like... The numbers guys would tell you like they're like freaking wizards or something like that. No, man, they can just count. Count. Sorry, it's a little rant, but that really does frustrate me, man. I'd be listening to some of these broadcasts. I'm like, man, like the Fox broadcasts are really bad, too. Like Seahawks are always on Fox and they get t- terrible. Fox's B and C teams be bad. Sorry, I'm just go ahead. Go. Next question. You're good. If you could coach any player in the National Football League and add them to the Seahawks, who would you choose? Uh, this is a really interesting question. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but I think I'm going to go with Jalen Ramsey. Not because he's, like, super, super good. Uh, obviously, he is. But my main thing, he just got some dog in him. You know, like, I just I just like that. Like, he gets, he gets under people's skin, but he's still about that, you know, as well. Like... He, he, he's with the funk in, in that way, I think, as opposed to, like, what's that dude named on the Saints who get under people's skin? But he seemed like a sucker. The Not dude, a lot of more. Who are you no, thinking the, of? No, the dude that, uh, the dude on the Bears uh, punched him. Oh, the corner. I know you're talking. I forget his name. His name's got an acronym. It's like a, not an acronym. It's got a hyphen in it. Um, Gardner, Gardner Johnson, maybe? Chauncey, something like that? Some, yeah, I think you're right. I don't want to do like that because he just seems annoying. Like, <laughs> whereas, like, Jalen seemed like a dog. See, it's like a difference there. So, I would definitely like, and he just, he just, like, like, we were talking about DJ Reed likes to do a little bit of everything, likes to tackle and stuff like that. Like, Jalen Ramsey just likes playing football, and he likes talking trash, and he's just a dog. Like, I like all that. And he gives really great interviews. I would definitely want a dude like that on my team, for sure. We kind of, we answered pretty much what happened with the offense today and how do you get on track. What are some likely roster moves when Dunbar and Flash are activated next week? Merry Christmas, guys. Appreciate that, man. Thanks, Paul. Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, roster moves. Okay, let me see if I can get all these right. So they've got Greg Olson coming back, Josh Gordon getting activated, probably get Quentin Dunbar back, and Trey Flowers, right? So that's four. Got four guys there. Okay, my guesses will be probably lose Penny Hart. Um, I would guess that Phil Haynes probably goes on IR. Jonathan Bullard probably is a guy they're probably going to wave. And there's one, there's one more. You said DJ Dallas, depending oh, on... Oh, yeah, DJ might. Dallas got carted off the field. Pete says it's not, there's no broken bones, it's an ankle sprain. Uh, I would ima- That'd probably be another one uh, as well. But those are probably the three. Oh, um, and if not, uh, who's the other dude? There's a corner. Jason Stanley. The He's like the backup right cornerback right now. I would imagine he gets cut too. They'd probably bring all these dudes back. Um, but those would probably be the moves to get all of these guys healthy. After big games from Shaq and Puna, as well as a huge rushing touchdown for Carlos Hyde, how does this game impact your feelings about our major free agents this offseason? Um, another good question. Um, I don't think the Carlos thing, like, if they want to bring Carlos back again, like, that's whatever. But I don't think, like, that's going to be, like, their RB2 situation next year. If it is, like, whatever. But I don't, this this game didn't change that much. Didn't Carlos had, what, like, two carries today? Just took one of them 50 yards. He runs hard. I do like Carlos. But... I don't think that's like a long-term solution for these guys in the backfield. Who's the other person? Puna? Yep. Puna's not a free agent, though. Um, 
I guess he's a restricted free agent, so they should just tender him. Um, I, th- I would probably get like a second round tender on Puna. Like Puna's a good player. Like they're they're still gonna get him on a bargain, even when they, even if they give him a restricted free agent tender. Uh, let's see who's the other person. Shaq. Man, we're gonna have to do a pod about this too in the off season. They're not in a good position right now, long term at that spot. Like we gave DJ Reed some love, but I don't think that. Like, like for example, if next year they were like, all right, our starting corners are DJ Reed and Trey Flowers. I don't think Pete would feel great about that. Um, Shaq's going to be expensive, man. I know people, a bunch of people are high on Shaq, but, like, go look at the cornerback market. Um, not the market, excuse me. Go look at the group right now of free agents about to be uh, for the cornerbacks this year. Uh, Shaq's going to be the top guy. I know that sounds crazy, but go look. Go look. Go find me a guy who you think uh, is going to be, like, more coveted than Shaq this offseason by GMs at cornerback. Good luck. It's gonna be hard, right? Like Patrick Peterson's out there. I know Sharon will be out there. Uh, what's that dude on the uh, the Bengals? Um, dang, I want to say William Jackson. I think um, he'll be out there too. But like, Shaq's gonna be a top guy. You're gonna have to pay him. And if not, ooh boy, that's a problem. We just got a question in. We talked about off wax. So I'm gonna need you to pull up his contract situation for DJ Reed because this question is: What's DJ Reed's contract situation after this season? Is he- this a guy who could be a cheaper alternative to giving Shaq Griffin? Jalen Ramsey money? I mean, it could. You could. I just don't think Pete would do that. I really don't think he's gonna. Uh, that's why I thought his like his comments today about oh you can have short corners like yeah we've had those before. It's like no you haven't. Like that's why we're all on the long arm thing because that's what you decided. Um, so I don't think I thought that was like I don't want to cuss on here, but that was a uh, that was cap. There we go. <laughs> that was cap. I thought that like his uh his explanation on that was cap. I don't think he'd, he'd go into a season with a, a five, nine, uh, left corner. And I don't think he'd move Trey over there, uh, either. I, I don't, I don't think he would do that. DJ Reed signed through 2021. So what happened with DJ was he was on his rookie deal with the Niners, right? And just got waived and then claimed. So all the Seahawks did was just pick up the same contract he was under with the Niners. So he's, he's not a free agent either. He'll be signed through 2021. Well, Washington football teams, right? Tackle ever be able to recover his soul after that bull rush from Carlos Dunlap? Uh, no, probably not. Who was that? Was that Moses? Yeah, he came back in after his injury. Oh, man. He Poor just, guy. Poor guy. Probably should have just stayed on the sideline. Yeah, line. yeah. Just got just got ran right there. That's demoralizing. It's, whenever they have film on, on Monday or whatever for what, like, he's, he's going to close your eyes on that one. That one was not good. That was that was bad. What is considered a successful playoff run for this team? Is it going all the way or just getting to the NFC Championship game? Uh, I think, I think they got to get to the dance. I think so. I mean, obviously they should win it if they get there, but like, I don't think if they got to play the Chiefs, you know, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, honestly, even if they have to play a team like Pittsburgh or Buffalo, it'll be a problem, but I, I just think you got to get there. What ha- it'd be demoralizing to lose. Of course. Like I, I understand what I'm saying here, but get there. Gotta get there. Like that's, this team's talented. This team is talented enough to get there, and there's really no excuse. Like in some years, they legitimately did not have enough talent to get there. I think 2015 is a good example. Um, they, I didn't like their running back situation at that time. I think that's the year like Marshawn didn't get on the bus to go to Minnesota, um, a game they also probably should have lost. Uh, the other year would be oh the next year 2016. I think Earl broke his leg, and it with no Earl, they was not that they did not have the talent to get to the big one so this year i think they do if they were to enter this like let's say no one really else gets hurt between now and the, and the wild card round this team is talented enough to get there if you don't get there failure what can we learn from the jets and rams game and can dk have a bigger role next week uh nothing you learn, you learn nothing from that jets i'm telling you the throw out the rams tape it really just does not work against other you only watch what they do against the seahawks i swear it just there's no correlation I swear there's not. Jared Goff be looking like trash against some teams. <laughs> really? And then he'll come here and look like Damarino. It's really crazy. Although he, to to be fair, Jared didn't light it up in their first game against them this year. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, the second part of that, DK. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if DK is going to play better against, man, Jalen Ramsey's a cold dude, man. That's just, I hope he's ready. I hope he is ready. Let's. I'll say that. Where's the offense? Where do they go? Russ seemed to lose his damn mind during the late game pressure situations. 
Russ seems to lose his mind during late game pressure situations. Oh, how the tables have turned. I thought Russ was clutch. Nah, Russ is clutch. Russ is super clutch. Uh, I think that's a little bit going too far that Russ can't be clutch. Um, but no, I, I do think a lot of it, when I go back and look, I bet you I'm going to find that a lot of this really is as simple as Russ got to see the field a little bit better and make better decisions. Like, I thought he was trying to throw the ball away on that pick that he had. Um, he's actually trying to throw it, I think it was Chris Carson uh, there, but like, a batted ball that gets tipped is a little wonky, but at the same time, it's like, dude, it's your job to make sure that don't happen, right? Like, throw the ball. Get it to your guy. Like, that's your job. Um, don't turn it over. Is it, like, 13 picks or something this year? Like, Russ has a lot of picks. Yeah, he's um, having his worst year when it comes to interceptions. Yeah, no, and that's just not – that. that's not going to get it done. So I, I do think, like, he's got to start seeing the field uh, a little better here because against some good defenses, the Rams – well, not just the ones they've even played. Like the Giants, one is the Giants are like an average defense. Rams are really good. Um, Philly is like average, low average. Yeah, be nice. like yeah, not not super duper, nice not super so. duper great. But they get pressure on you, which messes with any quarterback. And then like Washington was good as well. But I expect them to be better. I think I said this after the Giants game. I was like, I don't really care what the other team's doing. When you have Russell and his track record, he should be better than whatever you guys have. Pretty simple. Rams lose, Saints losing. And the Saints end up losing, excuse me. How much would it help this Seahawks team to have some home playoff games this postseason? I don't necessarily think that there's a ton of value in having a home playoff game. Right? I just, the, no fans, like, I don't think it's a huge difference like it would be in previous years. However, I do think the steps that you have to take to earn the home playoff game are very, very, very important. Getting a home playoff game would mean you beat the Rams. Big deal. That is a big deal. Doing so is good. That'll make people feel better about your chances of a postseason run if you did that. Like It's not the worst thing in the world to have to go on the road in the postseason, but if you have to do that because you lost games, problem. Right? There's a difference between a 12-4 and Seahawks team on a four-game win streak versus a 11-5 and team that either lost to the Rams or the Niners. Like Both of those things are are bad right and i think there's a big difference you know between those two even if it's one win i think that one win can be the difference being like oh man seahawks have a shot or oh damn we're gonna lose in the divisional round again do you guys think it's time for us as concerned citizens to call the authorities to file an apb out for the seahawks offense nah man we can't be calling the police on a bunch of black dudes man <laughs> where you been all year like <laughs> we gotta stop doing that uh, nah, to be serious, like like we just talked about, man. Now nah, the uh, the office needs to step it up. If they if they for real like put up like an, a clunk a clunker is a clunker a word a stinker? Let's go with stinker. If they put up a stinker against the Rams, like that's bad. Like then it really is. I'm not gonna call the police. I've actually never called the police. Probably never will. Um, don't really need to. But uh, if then it might be the time. Like we won't call the police. Maybe we'll just like you, me and you, Chris can go out with like flashlights in Bellevue and start looking for Russ. You know, like. Maybe that, well, dang, I don't know if we should be doing that. They called the police on Cam that one time. Remember he was, like, scouting that gym in Bellevue? Bellevue's an interesting place. This is another discussion, though. Uh, good question, though. I don't see comparisons between Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. All I see is him getting the yards that are available. Carson is a hammer, and Hyde looks like a jag. Yeah, no, he runs through people, too. I wouldn't say that he's just, like, only hitting open holes uh, that the O-line creates. I mean... To be fair, that is what most running backs are doing. I think he does get the hard yards, though, too. Like, Carlos does run hard. He doesn't run as hard as Chris. Um, but, I mean, like, that's why Chris is probably, like, what, a top mm, 10 running back in this league? So, I don't think it's, like, shade to Carlos to say he's not, you know, Chris Carson. Why does our offensive coordinator still have a job? People don't like sh Oh, man, that's messed up, man. Shani's about to get a head coaching job. Y'all talking it's crazy. Uh, nah, man, because they have a top five offense. <laughs> that's why. Any idea what happened to the pass rush before the final Washington football team possession? One of the people I talked to uh, after games uh, used to be Brandon Jackson because uh, he was really insightful. And one thing he always would talk to me about, um, Quentin Jefferson would hammer this point home too, is that like they're playing the run as well. So they can't just always be rushing upfield, you know, especially on early downs. I think that was a problem today. They were like playing the run in the second half. And then, I don't know, maybe the light switch went on and it was like, oh, hey. They're just throwing it a bunch. Maybe we should just start rushing them. Oh, cool, coach. What do you know? Got three sacks in one drive. Do y'all know of a worse fan than that Evan in Seattle guy? True question. 
No way. Uh, Evan, Evan. Oh, the f- uh, uh, field goal. Oh, that's messed up. I think I think he's, he gives some uh, some decent insight. He was one of the few people, like, when we were talking about salary cap stuff this offseason, was, like, actually estimating Seattle's true cap, right? Like, it wasn't just, you know, oh, this they cut this guy so they have this much left. Like, you have to adjust for, like, draft picks and, like, how much teams like to have for, like, roster elevations and stuff like that. Uh, dang, do people dislike Evan? I never met the guy. Um, but I do think he's pretty funny. I do think he represents the extremes that you guys be feeling with Seahawks games. Like, you guys really be like, oh, man, this this game's over. Like, woe is us. Like, you guys really be on the – from everything from, like, Fire Pete uh, to, like – I think we need a Pete statue, like the spectrum of emotions that you guys have during games or even after games or during the week or whatever. I think Evan's Twitter really represents all of those. Like it, it runs the whole thing, all of the emotions you guys feel. I think the other dude that field goals too, um, who does like the cigar thoughts, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but him too. Like they both do a good job of like representing how Seahawks fans feel for better or worse. Cause sometimes y'all be talking crazy and sometimes you guys make a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to shade Evan. That's messed up. <laughs> I wonder what he said to get that. Uh, I'm going to go read his account after this. Who will be a difference maker moving forward that we are only starting to see right now? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any surprises. I mean, the roster's kind of set. I mean, if anything, it would be DJ Reed, technically. Um but I don't think that's much of a surprise, really. I mean, Josh Gordon would be the answer. Like, I think Josh is actually running. If Josh does nothing else but only catch the ball on third down, I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for this team. Like, that that should be the goal. If you're wondering, like, oh, what's Josh Gordon going to look like? Hey, he's going to catch the ball on third down. That's it. That should be, like, all he do. If it is, that's great. A very Seahawkish win today. No drops, another game. Or, excuse me, New Orleans drops another game. And Green Bay gets pushed by Carolina at home. Make a case for the Hawks being the best team in the NFC. Even if you don't think they are. Keep killing it. Make a case. Um, okay. So, my case for the Seahawks being the best team in the NFC is that they have the best quarterback. So, that starts there. Um, and they have the best pass rush. That would be, yeah. Now... Is that going to translate? Maybe not. But I think you would start there to build any argument, right? Like, you could argue Rodgers is playing better than Russ this year, which he is. Um, So, I guess there's that problem. But they have Russ. Um, They have the best offensive skill group, I would say, probably. Tyler, DK. Yeah, Tyler and DK is better than anything anybody else has in the NFC. Weapon rise, right? Yeah. Look at Green Bay. It's just Devontae Adams. Yeah, and then Aaron Jones. Jones, But then the Seahawks have Chris Carson, too, so it kind of balances out uh, a little bit. The Saints have Michael Thomas. He's out. He's on IR. Is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, damn. I didn't even know that. Um, So, yeah, that would be how I build the case. And their pass rush is crazy. Like, I'm pretty sure they lead the league in sacks since week nine. Like, that's – they're killing it. I don't necessarily think they're the best team, but, yeah, if I had to make a case, that is where it would start. We want to thank each and every one of you out there for asking Twitter questions. We always appreciate the love and support. Mike, is there anything you want to add before we shake? Uh, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate the love. Uh, we're going to keep killing it. We're going to keep bringing you guys the heat every week. Thank you guys for the questions. It really is my favorite part of doing the show, uh, whether they're funny, stupid, serious. Not that Evan one was. That was funny. That was, uh, yeah. that was he, he caught it. He caught a stray. He ain't do nothing. Uh, yeah, so keep, keep bringing it in. We love it. You can ask us questions during the week, too. Um, Whenever you guys want some insight, man, reach out. We do this for y'all. Well, this has been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We will guys we will catch you guys for our Seahawks and Rams preview coming up later this week. We out. Maybe you should smoke some